Well, good morning, Edgemere Church family. It's great to be with you this morning, even though we cannot be together physically. Um, you know, there's a connectedness that we all share, those who are part of the body of believers. And we're connected, um, you know, just not in a physical sense, but in a very spiritual sense, as we pray for each other, as we bear one another's burdens, um, even if we have to do that remotely, even if we have to do that online, we are uh, more than able uh, to do that. Certainly, there is an aspect of community that requires uh, proximity and, and physical touch. But while we can't do that, we certainly um, feel your presence um, with us, even during this difficult time. You know, I'm reminded of Paul, um, much of his ministry, he was separated from those whom he loved, from those who he uh, cherished. And so we have all these epistles, right? These letters to these churches. And throughout so many of those letters, he would say things like, I long to be with you. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm here for this purpose, to, to do this, to, to start a church here, to minister here, to share the gospel here. To, to take the gospel, ultimately Paul's goal, uh, to Rome. Um, you know, so maybe God has something for you right where you are today. Um, you know, last Sunday we looked at, well, actually, before we get started, uh, two things you're going to need um, with you this morning. Uh, the first thing is, of course, you're going to need your Bible. So if you don't have your Bible, go ahead and grab it. Second thing you, you may need um, if you're like me, is a, a cup of coffee. Oh, yeah, that hit the spot. So go ahead and grab a cup of coffee maybe real quick while we're getting started as well. Um, but last Sunday, we looked at an interesting concept in the Old Testament that was known as the cities of refuge. And we looked at this in Joshua chapter 20. And we saw how one could find shelter... Um, from the vengeance of another and the protection that was offered within that city of refuge. And we saw how Jesus mirrored this concept becoming our city of refuge. Um, even when we were not innocent um, but guilty, we see that Jesus' blood covered our sin, right? Taking the, that concept in the Old Testament a step further, right? Even when we were guilty. <clears throat> Jesus' blood covered our sin, um, securing us under the refuge of his love, of his grace, of his mercy, and of his forgiveness. Um, so this morning, I'd like us to actually look at another passage in the Old Testament, if that's all right. I'd like to look at the book of Psalms. You know, the book of Psalms is a very common place, I think, to turn in the Old Testament, um, in times of trouble, um, you know, there are various places that we can go in the Old Testament um, when we're experiencing um, uncertainty, when we're experiencing trials in our lives. Probably the, the first one maybe that you would even think of would be the um, 23rd Psalm, right? One of the most famous passages in all of scripture, where we see David depicting God as a shepherd, 
um, who watches and cares for his people like a shepherd cares for his flock. And you know, as a pastor, as um, one that very much feels that responsibility to some extent, it's difficult for pastors everywhere, I know, during this time to not um, be able to do that in a physical sense. But like I said, we certainly um, seek to do that in a spiritual sense, much like God does for each and every one of us. So the 23rd Psalm is a, a place that we can go to during times of trouble. Or we see passages like we looked at actually last week, Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3, right? God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Verse 2 says, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Uh, Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Luckily, I don't think we're quite to that point yet, and hopefully we certainly don't get there. Um, But the psalmist encourages us, nonetheless, not to fear. Um, You know, many of us, I think, cling to psalms such as these when life is uncertain. In, in, In times such as these, when life is uncertain. Um, When times are tough, when we experience disappointments, or we experience heartache. But you know, if you spend much time reading through the Psalms, you'll find quite quickly that they are not just simply comprised or composed of um, kind of just feel-good and encouraging sayings that you put on a refrigerator magnet or something like that, right? Many of their Psalms are from the perspective of the writer crying out to God because it seems as if the world is crumbling down around him. Um, In some of the Psalms, we see a a writer uh, expressing anger. We see this certainly with David, right? Um, Asking God to to smite or kill or even curse his enemies. Um, Still other Psalms are what are called Psalms of Lament. Um, You know, the dictionary defines the word lament as a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And there are many of the Psalms that fall into this category. Um, And so this morning, I'd like to look at one of these Psalms of lament. Um, Now, don't worry. This isn't going to be just like one of these Debbie Downer sermons. Hopefully this will be encouraging to you. But I'd like us to turn, if you will, in your Bibles. Remember I said you had to have your Bible. Turn in your Bible with me, if you will, to Psalm 137. Psalm 137. Now, I was going to have this pre-marked out so I could just turn right to it, but I figured if I'm turning to it, it gives you guys kind of time to turn to this uh, as well, and maybe we'll all get there at about the same time, hopefully. Psalm 137, and we're going to be looking um, at six verses and kind of just focusing on the, on the first four, but we'll read through the first six. Psalm one. 37. Just a short passage for you this morning. Um, This isn't going to be anything that's super heavy, uh, hopefully, but hopefully it's something that will encourage your heart. Psalm 137, verse 1. 
By the rivers of Babylon, the psalmist says, we sat and wept. When we remembered Zion, there on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked for us songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of those songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. So as we look at this psalm here this morning, and keep your Bibles open, um, and just follow along with me, we're kind of just going to go through this here a little bit for a few moments. Um, if we look at verse 1, I think right away as we dive into this, we immediately get that sense of lament. Remember what we said lament was, right? Uh, a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. I definitely get that from the writer here immediately going into verse 1, right? We get this image of the children of Israel sitting and weeping. And so one of the questions that we need to ask ourselves then is why, right? Why are the children of Israel sitting and weeping? Well, we're told, right? We're told right here um, in verse 1. Um, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. So just a real brief Old Testament history lesson here this morning the city um, of Jerusalem, um, because of the children of Israel's disobedience, fell to the Babylonians in 587 BC. So this is taking place 587 years roughly before the time of Christ. King Nebuchadnezzar um, laid siege to the city of Jerusalem and, and overtook it finally in, in 587. And as a result of this, much of the population is carried away into Babylon, um, which is actually modern-day Iraq. Um, and they are forced to live then as captives in this foreign land. And so the city of Jerusalem, as a result, is left in, in complete ruins. The temple of God is destroyed the gold, the artifacts of the temple are carried away as spoils of war. And then begins a 70-year captivity for the Jewish people. And so this psalm is looking back on that time um, and recalling the state of affairs for the Jewish people during this very difficult time. And so we see here, um, through their perspective, that these people have lost their sense of community. They've, remember the temple is destroyed. Um, the temple in, in, in the Jewish culture, that was where everything took place. That's where you had to go to, to worship properly. Much different than how we see things today, right? We believe you can worship anywhere, thankfully, not just at a church building. We're definitely thankful for that during these difficult times, amen? But that was not so for the Jewish people. Um, and so as a result of not being able to go to temple, they have lost their sense of community. Um, and with each and every passing year, 
each and every passing day probably, their identity as a people begins to erode. Verse 2 tells us that they hung up their harps. And this is kind of an image of defeat, right? An image of despair. Um, They are not able um, to sing. In their depleted state, they have lost their joy. They cannot muster up the morale needed to sing songs of praise to God in the state that they are in. Um, And yet we're told in in verse 3, if you read it, once again, it says, For our captors asked for us songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, Sing us one of those songs of Zion. And so what's going on here is for their entertainment, their captors demand that they sing songs of worship to God so that they can mock them. And in their desperation, the psalmist asks this question in verse 4. And this is going to be our central question, the central thing I want to focus on here this morning. The psalmist asks this question, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Perhaps this is a question maybe you are asking yourself during this difficult time in our nation, during this difficult time in our community, in our church, in our immediate families. How can we sing the Lord's song in this foreign land when we're forced to worship and interact with one another from a distance, right? Um, When we are not able to worship collectively together in our church buildings. How can we not lose hope during this time when the economy is falling apart, when people have lost their jobs and are out of work and are laid off? Um, How do we maintain our worship in this strange land, and it's a strange one for sure, of streamed church services only? How can we not lose hope during these times? How do we prevent our identity as a church, maybe, from eroding? Um, And as Christians, I I would think as a church and as Christians, how do we prevent our identities from eroding during this time where we are forced to be apart? Well, I think as we begin to, to maybe unpack that a little bit, one unmistakable truth from Scripture um, is that we were designed for community. I think that's why this feels so odd and so awkward um, and so um, depressing, even, maybe, is because we weren't designed to live in social isolation. It goes against our nature. It goes against how God has made us. Um, you know, since the beginning of creation, right, if we go all the way back to the book of Genesis, when God, you know, is looking out on this incredible land and he sees everything that he has made, including Adam. And he knows it's just not quite right, right? He says, it's not good for man to be alone. Um, So from the time that Eve is created, if we go all the way then to the New Testament, to where we see Jesus presented um, in Ephesians chapter 5 
as giving himself up for the church. Um, we see elsewhere as, as Jesus being presented as the bridegroom um, of the church. We know that community is something that is very central to his heart for us as his people. But yet we are not able to do that, um, to live in community to its fullest during this time. So how do we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? How do we remain encouraged and hopeful during this difficult time? Well, I think one of the first things we need to do is not what the children of Israel did in, in Babylon, right? Let's not, uh, as it says in, in verse uh, 2, let's not hang up our harps. Let's not throw in the towel just yet. Let's, let's not stop trying to play, right? Stop trying to, um, to maintain as best we can during these times. Maybe to keep on keeping on would be a, a better way to try to put that. Let's not hang up our harps. Um, let's not put our Christian identity our, our, our hopes for community uh, away. Let's not shelve that. But even during this time of separation, let's remain connected by praying for each other. Let's remain connected um, by doing church, even if it has to be this way, um, connected uh, through the Holy Spirit. Let's remain close uh, to the vine, um, as Jesus says, um, so that we remain in him as he um, remains in us. Secondly, let's not lose our song. Um, you know, there's something incredibly powerful uh, about music. Um, and at least for me, you know, I, I think people come to music from all different perspectives. Um, but music speaks to me, I think, in ways that simply words cannot. There's just something about setting powerful words to just a great melody that, that just gets to me. Um, and I, I think, again, it goes back to how we, God has, has created us. And we certainly see that as we read through the Psalms too, right? Um, many of these Psalms are, um, were set to music. Um, and so the importance of being able to sing being able uh, to, though we cannot sing collectively together, um, to sing uh, with our immediate family. So I hope that you have been singing uh, during our times of worship, that you have been praising God um, with your voice. Um, even if it doesn't sound that great, um, there's just something super powerful about that. Um, you know, this morning I had two miles uh, left that I needed to run to reach my, my goal for, for this week. And I was thinking this morning about, you know, everything going on um, that I had to do to get ready for this service and everything. And I woke up at 4.45 and uh, immediately my mind started racing. I laid there for about 30 minutes and I just thought to myself, you know, you could just lay here for the next hour. Um, or you can get up and get that two miles done that you know you needed to get done. I was like, okay, well, I'll go ahead and do that. So 
uh, I dragged myself out of bed and um, on that run, I just had some praise and worship music playing. And my street um, is not very well lit. I'm dodging cars every morning. I, I go out to run when it's still dark. Um, and so I was just kind of in, surrounded by this darkness. There was no cars, obviously, no one around. And I just had praise and worship playing, music playing. And um, I just had this just incredible worship experience with God this morning. It was super encouraging. It made me um, just super pumped to be able to connect with you guys this morning. Um, and I just, you know, as I'm just trotting along, you know, no one around, um, just lifting my hands in praise um, to God. And it was super encouraging. And, and the Lord just blessed my heart this morning. Um, being able to do that. And, and, and so the importance of not losing that connection to God, even though we're not singing uh, collectively in church, it's important, uh, I think, to keep that uh, very much a part of your um, worship during these times of separation. You know, for those that were able to tune in Wednesday to our Bible study, one of the things I spoke about also um, was when it comes to our relationship with the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> I said this, I said, proximity does not equal intimacy. And I was using that as an illustration to show that, you know, just because you are around someone doesn't necessarily mean that you have a close relationship with them. And I was talking about the importance of diving in to God's word and the teaching on the Holy Spirit and getting to know in an intimate way the Holy Spirit, not just reading about him or hearing about him in church, but actually um, really just trying to get to know him and, and seeing the results of how a relationship with the Holy Spirit can really enrich our lives as Christians. <clears throat> well, I think that works both ways um, as well. Uh, although proximity doesn't equal intimacy. I don't necessarily think as well that intimacy equals proximity. Um, and, and basically I say that to mean that we can be physically separated from our church family and not socially separated. How can we worship in a strange land in this strange time by remaining connected to one another? through the ways that technology has afforded us um, by, you know, calling someone maybe that the Lord places on your heart, by certainly by praying for each and every, every one that you can think of, um, especially um, many of our healthcare and first responders. Um, you heard a little bit about that in the announcement video um, this morning as well, but just be thinking, and, and certainly the elderly in our congregation, some of the most vulnerable. Um, and so maintaining that connection through prayer is another way that we can worship during, in a strange land, in a strange time. You know, I'm reminded of the words of Paul also in Romans chapter five. He says this, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope 
of the glory of God. And this is the important one to grab, I think, beginning in verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. That seems crazy, right? But Paul says it. We glory in our sufferings, and this is why he says that, that we can do that. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, he says, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for you. And I think we can rest in the fact that though we are apart, God is near, church. Though we are apart, the Holy Spirit is near and is residing within us, right? That same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us and is intimately connecting us um, in ways in which I think uh, we could otherwise not imagine. So let me pray for you this morning, uh, church. God, we come to you this morning just so thankful uh, that we have ways in which to connect in this strange land, in this strange time that we find ourselves in the midst of this crisis, Lord. We pray for those that are most affected and most vulnerable to uh, these, this time, Lord, um, in these situations, Lord. First of all, I want to pray for each and every one of our medical workers that we have within our church, Lord. I think of people um, like Ariel Shusha, Lord. We pray for her. We pray for Marissa Rush, Lord. We th I think of my wife, Sharon Rush. Um, we think of Steve Farrell. We think of Nick Sissio, um, Joey Wilson, Lord. Um, and I know, I'm sure there's many, these are the ones that are just coming to my head, God, here in this moment. Uh, I know there are many, many others, um, in the healthcare field. We think of Patsy Cochran as well, Lord, um, um, and, and many others that are still working. Um, I think of Scott Brinkman as well, um, who's been activated in the National Guard, Lord. Um, we think of many others working during this difficult time who are very high risk for being exposed to this coronavirus, Lord. And so we pray for them. We pray for many of the elderly in our church as well. Um, we pray for many that, that, that may be very frightful. We pray for those that may be, God, have been laid off, that aren't currently able um, to work. Um, or we pray that you would just give us hope in this very uncertain and trying time, that we would not lose our song, Lord. God, that, that we would not hang up our harps, so to speak but that we would sing songs to you, that we would worship you, that we wouldn't hold tight to you, Lord, even in this strange time, God, because we know that suffer, suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, Lord.
because your love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, Lord. And Holy Spirit, we just praise you and want to bless your name here this day. And thank you for sustaining us during this difficult time, we pray. Amen.